For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. It's time for Paul to conclude his letter to the Philippians, and he does so by letting them in on a life-changing secret. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, The Key to Contentment. Alrighty, let's get going here. We are going to, Lord willing, finish the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 4, and we're going to conclude the letter. Uh, and uh, end our study in the book of Philippians. It's been priceless, so many invaluable insights. It's just been a joy. Let's ask the Lord uh, for his continued blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we always look to you, and we pause, and we just want to confess that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. We need the Holy Spirit's help to open up the eyes of our hearts and, and give us eyes that can see and uh, ears that can truly hear what your spirit is saying and help us to have the courage and the wisdom to put these truths into practice so we can be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'll show you some pictures and you be thinking to yourself, uh, what kind of facility is this? All right, so there's a rock climbing wall there and there's a really nice gym. And there's a music studio, so it comes complete with uh, musical instruments, lessons, recording, uh, all of that. Um, This is a sample room, and it's connected to the gym, and there's the eating area. Uh, Here's a little look at the dining commons, and this is one little small room. Uh, You may be, oh, they have a library, too, at that prison. You're like, excuse me? I thought I heard you say prison. Well, I did. These were some of the pictures of uh, some of the nicer uh, prisons all over the world, and I kind of collected a few pictures. And uh, obviously, not all prisons have been created equal. <laughs> this fa- some of these facilities include the amenities like food, three square meals a day, uh, clothing, a laundry uh, service, medical care, counseling, exercise, recreation, hobbies, uh, television. Those rooms were equipped with a flat screen TV. Did you see the remote by the bedside? And the libraries, music studio, and all of that all provided in some of these facilities free of charge. Now, this is not the case for a famous prisoner. The Apostle Paul, back in ancient times, he was not in a prison, anything like that. Now, the Apostle Paul has been in prison there in Rome under the charge of treason because that was technically, they had to find something. They were upset about hearing the gospel and having him evangelize the then known world. And, and in their words, turn the world upside down from God's point of view was turning the world right side up. Uh, but be that as it may, it was an offense. 
and it caused a lot of problems. They threw him into this jail. And um, back in those days, in ancient times, first century Rome, uh, prisons left the care to the inmates 100% up to the prisoner himself. And their uh, family or friends were responsible. No funds, no food, no clothes, no bedroll, no pillow, nothing. And so, for the most part, because Paul was in and out of prison, uh, he had a tough time. Uh, But in recent days, Paul did have funds because Paul had some friends. And those friends were from a place called Philippi. They were from the founding church that he established some 10 years earlier. So they were uh, uh, actually pastored by Paul there. And one of them, Epaphroditus, made the trip with the love offering, knowing that without funds, there's no food for the Apostle Paul. And they loved him. And so they sent a love offering, which he received. And now he's responding in, in what we call the letter to the Philippians. And so we are going to pick up now right at the point where he's going to thank them for sending the funds. Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, 10 years before, when I set out from Macedonia, northern Greece, where they lived in Philippi, when I left Philippi, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Then he finishes up, and my God, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to the emperor, Caesar's household. Interesting. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And there you have it, folks. A verse by verse, chapter by chapter, study through the book of Philippians is now closing out. And with it, 
it divides really quite nicely. These last 12 verses or so, kind of half and half. And uh, into two last thoughts. And of course, there'll be two last promises in those two last paragraphs. In uh, the first paragraph, 10 through 14 verses, if you're taking notes, uh, he's thanking them for the recent gift, right? And in the midst of thanking them, comes a beautiful word about contentment, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that's related to his life's lesson, which he's going to share as he concludes the letter. The second promise, the second paragraph, is not about the immediate gifts, but he, he brings up their past gifts through the years, they've been supporting him. And in that paragraph, as he brings that up, he's going to have a beautiful word about God's faithfulness. He says, my God will supply every last one of your needs according to his riches that are in God the Son, Christ Jesus. And so two beautiful promises tucked away in, in the closing portion of the thank you letter, thanking them for thinking kindly and reaching out in such a loving, generous, and sacrificial way. Now, one commentator said, before you get underway with this, he says, these best loved and most well-known verses may be the least understood and never did a simple thank you evoke such profound theological reflection. So we're going to start now with the prompt for the writing, which was the immediate cause of gratitude, which was the offering. And so uh, we have the first part here. He says, man, was I ever jazzed in the Lord. I praise the Lord that uh, at last you had the opportunity to renew your concern and love for me. And by the way, I'm not saying any of this about because I'm in need, because I've learned this secret. I, 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 I want to share it with you, my life lesson, how to be content in any and every situation, whether I got a lot of stuff or whether I have little I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so we're going to take a look at this now. Now, you know, obviously Paul is very happy. And so Paul is a teacher. And why it's going to be theologically profound is because a simple hallelujah, praise the Lord, for a simple gift that was given and a need that he had, he wants as a pastor and a theologian for people not to get the wrong idea. Why am I so happy? It's important, Christian. Because people get happy for a lot of different reasons. You better make sure you're happy for the right reasons, right? And so he's going to have to make a lot of qualifications here. I'm saying this not because of that, and I'm happy not because of this, and so what I mean by that is, and that's why we have to do some thinking, you know? He's a leader, he's a pastor, he cares. So the right attitude and proper thinking is necessary even in the simple um, process of having a need and having somebody meet that need. From God's point of view, he wants you thinking correctly about what's really important in all of that. And so this section, this first paragraph has been called, and the second, The Anatomy of Christian 
receiving and giving, the theology of it. Because the last thing he wants is to, to mislead them by his exuberance. Hey, praise the Lord, you know, and make them think that it was about getting the bag of money. Wasn't about getting new soap and a warm blanket. That's not what I'm so jazzed about. Oh, he got the money. Oh, how much is it? You know, he's saying, no, 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 no. I've learned some lessons I want to share with you. And he uses as the vehicle of sharing these theological truths and right attitudes as a thank you response to meeting his need. And so that's why we've got to put our thinking caps on. You know, it is the word of God. Now, number one, he's very happy. But notice with whom he's happy first. He's happy in the Lord. And he directs a real shout out. And it's a real one, folks. He's happy, man. It's megalos in the Greek, where we get the word mega. I was mega happy. I mega joy. Great joy. That same phrase is used about the Lord's resurrection and his ascension into heaven. So you know he is really one happy camper, not about the offering about the love behind that was evidenced by the sending, the thinking, the caring, the partnering with him in the gospel, that he's not alone in that prison or the effort to win the world. They stood with him. And for that reason, number one, the praise goes to God. So we don't hear about them yet, and we don't hear about the gift. We hear about their love and concern, but we hear about the Lord. I rejoiced in the Lord. I'm praising the Lord. Now that, you know, we know whenever anything good happens, small or big, we know it's because of the love of God. But sometimes we forget it. And all we see is, man, I was in a world of hurt. This person had what I needed. They came, alleviated my suffering. And all we can see is them. And where would I be without John's generosity? And we leave it there. We forget that behind John's generosity is the God who prompted that answer to prayer, the God who gave John the provision that you needed in whatever form that came in, but it was all eventually traced back to God. So yeah, Paul knows, here comes Epaphroditus with what he needs, right? So Paul says, the Lord saw my need, the Lord heard my prayer, the Lord prompted someone in Philippi. The Lord arranged Epaphroditus. The Lord healed Epaphroditus on his arduous journey that almost cost him his life. And so he's just, Paul knows. It's two things to consider. It's praise the Lord and thank the means of the blessing that God used. You have to have both. And he has them in right order. First, the glory to God. Amen. Amen. Just, I just saw this kind of thing. Uh, Saturday, I was nose to Bible and notebook here doing my thing as I do on Saturdays. I don't, I don't even look up. I just get busy and I get hungry. And I'm right around two o'clock and I just forget, oops, I'm hungry and it's almost time for dinner. Well, whatever. So I don't know what to do. And Barb always sends me something, right? So somebody came in 
with something, right, and gave me lunch. And I'm like, oh, man, that was nice. They went by, they picked it up, uh, and they brought it to me. Everything was right there, and I could eat, right? So I thanked them. That was kind. But then I had to text Barb and tell her, thank you, because Barb's the one who sent them and provided the funds for that, right? So I'm texting Barb, yummalicious. Thank you, babe, for remembering me. And then because I'm in this text, the Lord's like, hello. (laughs) Hello, who do you think saw you there and saw that you were hungry and saw that once again, you forgot your lunch at home. So once again, I told Barb, Barb told this person and that, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. Listen to me, Paul's thing. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God, our Father of the heavenly lights. Amen? And so just awesome to remember. Listen, folks, when you get a compliment that lifts you up, when you get an extra little something in the mail, when you get exactly what you need, when your little dilemma suddenly resolves, thank the person. And remember to praise the Lord because ultimately he's the one. And that's why he says, mega praises and thanks to God first, you know, but he's not sanctimonious. Sanctimonious means overly spiritual, all right, or in a hypocritical way. Like, the, you know, the kind of thing like, I don't thank people, I just praise the Lord. You know, that's like, I served under a pastor who said, I never thank people. I only thank the Lord. And I said, there's a word for that. What is it? Rude. (laughs) That's why I'm no longer there. (laughs) That's not why I'm no longer there. But I would say things like that. Come on. Come on. Thank the person and praise the Lord because he's going to go on for days about, oh, you guys did this and you did that and thank you and grateful for their sacrifice. It makes me happy and God happy. So thank the person and praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now he's got to clarify. This is how he is. He says, it was your thoughtful concern that flourished again. That's what I'm praising God about. So uh, the word there in the Greek, very interesting. It's used for trees that send out their fresh shoots. He says the word for renew. So he says, well, at long last, your your love for me has been flourishing like, like flowers blossoming in spring. It's the same word that is used for that. And it's so beautiful. And, and, and he's saying, you know, it's not the denarii. Denarius, plural, denarii. It's, it's not the money in the sack. It's not the biscuits that I can buy or the pillow or the blanket. Though Those are nice too. He'll talk about that. He's saying that I'm not alone in here. Somebody thought about me out there. It's pretty quiet in here. And your mind can go pretty to some pretty dark places. But then Epaphroditus just broke through and said, we know you're in here. You're reaching people. We believe in you. We're with you. We miss you. Here, here, here's what you need. Some gifts, some support. He says, that, 
cause me to go over the top happy. Now, he says, you know, it was worth the wait. You, you hear that at last? We can hear as English speakers kind of a, almost a gentle rebuke, like, well, at last, you know, no, 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 no. It's not that. He, he's saying this. He's saying, I know that kind thought was there all along, and at last you had the opportunity uh, that was previously lacking. Now, why was there? I mean, they were sending uh, funds all through his ministry, but there, a long time had passed since the last time they were able to do that. The nature of the circumstance that prevented them from expressing their love and concern for the apostle is not clearly set forth, but suggestions have been offered. Number one, they're poor. Did you know that? The Philippians are poor. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says, the Macedonians, who are the Philippians, were poor, very poor. So it took them a while, and, and which makes the giving, and through the years of giving, all that more sweet and meaningful. They gave not out of their abundance. They didn't give at the end. They gave off the top with almost what they didn't really have enough to live on because they were poor. So, so it took them a while. That could be it. Number two, yeah, they had nobody to send. There was a, it's been a while because there's no FedEx or mailman to say, hey, take this to the Apostle Paul, you know, done out the door in the truck. What can Brown do for you? You know, that, oh. UPS, it was an old slogan, remember that? Amy, thank you for laughing. <laughs> and it's a good laugh, too, I might add. <laughs> and let me tell you why she can laugh so heartily, because Amy had cancer surgery, and they did a scan, and they said, congratulations, you are 100% cancer-free. <laughs> That's what you get for laughing at my sermons. We're very happy for you. We're praising the Lord. All right. So uh, the, third, the third reason there could have been a gap, if it's even significant enough to say, is Paul refused to take offerings from time to time. Why? Because when he left the Philippians, they're sending money, and he establishes the church at Thessalonica. They're sending money, the Philippians. Then he moves on to Corinth, and he's still in Greece, and he establishes the church of the Corinthians, and they're sending money. And the bad guys, the false teachers, were so jealous of the apostle Paul, they started saying he's a scam artist, he's a sponger, he's sponging off of you. And so he said, from now on, Philippians, no, 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 no. You wanna build a building? Build a building. But you can't send me any more support. And he pulled the rug out from underneath his detractors, right? And he uses large sections of the New Testament saying, I don't take a penny from anybody. There was a season where he did not receive any financial help. He worked. He got a job because it was better for the gospel. But now, at last, there's an opportunity. He's in prison. The evangelizing, the three missionary journeys are over. It's time to help. And so at last, they can. And so they do. And that's where the at last uh, comes from. So 
He says, yes, I'm, I'm, I, here's my hallelujah, but it's not so much the money. I appreciate it, but I've learned this secret, and I want to tell you all about it. I've been through seasons in my life when I have too little and when I have more than I need, but I've learned something, that the important thing is in life that I have Christ, and what I don't have or what I do have is secondary to what I have in him. So if I have God, the all-sufficient God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus said, if anybody loves me my, and does my will, my Father and I will come and make our home with them. That is Father, God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one come to live and join their spirit, the Holy Spirit, to our spirit, and we become one as husband and wives become one. Paul said, if the all-sufficient God who made heaven and earth has joined himself to me, what else could I possibly need? It doesn't matter if the cupboard's full when I got this, and it doesn't matter if the cupboard's not when I have this. This is the most important thing, and he's going to drive that home now. So he calls it his life lesson. Do you know he uses a word that means to be initiated into something? So when he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know I have learned the secret of being content, that word means in the Greek to be initiated into a secret distinguished group that nobody else outside of that group knows. So he says, I've been let in. A light went on. The Greek means I've, I've learned a cumulative thing, lesson. Here's my lesson in life from the Apostle Paul. If you want to ask me, hey, Apostle Paul, you've been in ministry, what, 30 years you know the Lord in a way that's pretty profound. Give us your life lesson. What, the, what is it? And he says, I'll tell you what. Happiness and contentment has nothing to do with circumstance and everything to do with joining your heart to the living God. Because when you have Christ, he gives you the strength to cope in plenty and not plenty. Now, the plenty, what are you going to cope with plenty? Oh, there's plenty of reason to cope when you've got plenty. So he says, when I have a lot, Christ's power in me strengthens me not to be seduced by it and not to bow down to it and not to cling to it and say, man, alive, I got to keep this level of income because this is what it's about. This is why I trained and this is why we live in this neighborhood and all of that. He says, oh, no, 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 I can enjoy it I can use it, I can laugh, I can participate in it because there's no evil in it. But the second my heart wants to rely on it and look to it and, and, and get spoiled by it, he says, Christ is in me to strengthen me, to help me that the fullness doesn't ruin my relationship with God. Same way on the other end. When the cupboards are bare and stomachs are hungry and I can't make the PG&E bill, he says, you know what? 
I got the Lord. He's got a plan. He knows my need. He knows the word before I even say anything. But it's that union with Christ that is at work. The word there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, is that his word, his power is at work 24-7, helping me to cope with what I have and what I don't have through the highs and through the lows. And my friend, if anybody had highs and lows, lows, he was, he's talking about contentment that could take him through a day and night on the open seas, clinging to a piece of the ship that went down. He was shipwrecked on the open sea, floating a day and a half. He, he, he says, I've had a snake hanging from my hand, bit me the whole nine yards. I've, had, I've been in danger from, I've been, uh, from robbers and criminals, from false teachers. I've been falsely accused. I've been five times I was flogged. He says, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you in on something that not a lot of people know. I've been initiated into this thing. I want to tell you about it. Through all of that, my contentment, I had this peace that passes understanding, and I was able to do it because Christ strengthens me for all things, even the things that I've gone through. He just wants us to have, you know, he's not saying, hey, I, I've been around a long time, you know, I've had a lot, I've had a little. Mm -mm. It's true. That's not the point. He's saying, I want to tell you how to have an attitude that's right with the much and with the little. That's what he's talking about there. Now, he's going to come around and say, the Bible never makes light of practical needs. The Lord says, pray about your daily bread. That's important. God thinks it's important. He wants to take care of all of those things. You know, so food is necessary and good. And soap is wonderful and needful, especially if you want to be friendly in close encounters <laughs> with other people. A change of clothes would be nice, you know, to have shoes on your feet. Money to pay the bills goes without saying. You know what he's saying? But there are people in this world who have all of that and are lost and dying in their sins and will perish. They think they're okay based on your checklist. PG&E, paid. Food in the cupboard, good. St stomach, full, check. I got everything I need, right? And Jesus says, you're in a world of hurt. So he's trying to show the Philippians. Listen, learn the lesson that Jesus told the Christian church at Laodicea. He says, you guys got a reputation for being rich and you got it made and all of this stuff. You say, I'm rich and I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing. There's need. These people don't need a thing because they've got check, 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 right? And he says, actually, from my point of view, Jesus speaking, you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. But the cupboards are full. They've got an IRA. They've got savings. They've got a house and a car. All the kids have matching outfits. 
They've got what everybody determines, am I in need or not in need? And they have it, and they say, we're not in need. And Jesus says, yes, you are in need. You're in dire need. You're in trouble. You're wretched. You're poor. You see, so Paul doesn't want to give them the wrong idea. You can have nothing and be okay, and you can have everything and not be okay. So Paul has turned this simple need and gift into a theological uh, treatise, and that's why, why he's the apostle Paul, right? And so here's what he's saying. More important than the balance on the savings, more important than what my doctor's diagnosis for me is, more crucial than what's in the cupboards, more substantial than the number of friends, more weighty than what my employer's decision is. The secret to Christian happiness and contentment 24-7 is this, the ongoing presence and power the strengthening effect of Jesus who is alive and well in my heart and working all things for my good. Amen? Amen. Now, in verse 14, I love this. He gets, he's so smart. And of course, it's the word of God. He's saying, oh, and by the way, I'm not ungrateful for what you did. In verse 14, yet it was good for you to share my troubles. You know, everybody who gives a gift wants the person to be over the moon about it right? Don't you? Man, I live for Christmas morning, and I'm, watch, I'm watching those reactions. So if you ever get anything from me, you better be happy about it. You better fake it, too, even if you don't like it. You better be like, oh, another green sweater. <laughs> or whatever, right? Well, well, he's afraid. They just heard him say, soap, no soap, blanket, no blanket. Come on. I'm good. I got Christ. And they're like, what? We, yeah. He's saying, no, 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 no. No. That's the theological truth. And Christ's sufficiency, the all-sufficiency of Christ in my heart aside, thank you. You did a beautiful thing. And now, and in the same vein of truth, he's going to build them up because he knows they're like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we wanted to be a blessing to you. We wanted you to be like, wow, I can have a warm bed and a bedroll. And in fact, you know what they paid for? They paid for the parchment and the ink and the pen so that he could write Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon because that's what he did in that very cell. They're responsible. They don't hand out pens and ink and parchments. He used the Philippians money and the Philippians are responsible for those books. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing deal. That's like good deed hitting the jackpot, amen? <laughs> Little did they know. And so he's saying, listen, don't misunderstand. You did a beautiful thing. It was loving. It was right. It made a difference. God's happy with it. He's smiling. And I'll be singing a hymn tonight, snuggled into the new soft, clean blanket that you guys provided. And so now he's going to go into the previous gifts and saying, listen, you Philippians. So let's go to that. He says, listen, you Philippians, you know from the, from the get-go, 
I wasn't even out of town yet, and you're sending me offerings. And then verse 17, and he says, I'm not bringing this up because I'm looking for another gift. I'm, ta- I'm excited about what's being accredited to your account in heaven. I've got everything I need. I've been supplied. Epaphroditus has been here. He gave me the gifts. God's happy. I'm happy. And by the way, God's going to take care of every last one of your needs. So let's unpack this a little bit. I'm totally convinced that he is concerned that his little sermonette on contentment has deflated them just a little bit. And so you can hear the affirmation to build them back up again. And so here's what he's saying. He said, there was mega joy, mega joy. And he's saying, I, listen, I have no friends like you. You, your church and me, we have a special relationship, don't we? And it all is about your generosity. You've been sending gifts all along. That's meant the world to me. This is he's building them up and saying, yeah, the all-sufficiency of Christ is one thing, but it really is nice to have had your help to help evangelize all of those churches. And so he's going to say, uh, where would I be without friends like you? So he says, listen, you guys, you Philippians, you're you just killing me. You Philippians, you didn't even let me get out of town. Do you know how far it is from Philippi? You know what happened there. They came in response to a vision, the team, the man from Macedonia, that's Philippi. So they come over. Paul gets in trouble for preaching too much or whatever. They beat him and Silas. They throw him into jail. He, he gets, uh, he's in there. They're singing uh, hymns, and they get released. And the, the, the jailer becomes a Christian and is baptized. And after that whole ordeal, they get kicked out. Well, there's already a fortune teller got saved, Right? Uh, Lydia, the seller of purple, has gotten saved and opened her house, and now there's a church meeting with the jailer's family, the fortune teller who got saved, and um, Lydia and their friends and their household. So there's a little church there, but they kicked Paul out of town. After he got out of jail, they said, get out. And, And Paul says, actually, we're Roman citizens, and what you did was illegal, so we would like an escort. (laughs) I love that guy. And so they said, okay, we'll send the escort. And they escorted him out and waved goodbye to the Philippians. The next church he went to, the area, was Thessalonica, right? Do you know how far that is? It's to Novato from here. So by the time he gets to Novato from here, they've sent an offering. Hey, This little church got together. Maybe Lydia. Lydia's got some money. She sold purple cloth. That's a big deal. Hey, hey, put this to work in Thessalonica. You're going to need it. And then then over and over, not just once when he got to Novato, twice they're sending him money. He says, who does that? He says, you know what? Truth be told, and here's the Holy Spirit, outs all of the Christian churches of the first century with a gentle indictment. Not one church shared with me or partnered with me. Everything I've ever done for Christ, I've done either working by myself or with the funds you Philippians alone shared with me along the way. 
Oh, on that great day, he says, I'm not talking about, <laughs> I'm not talking about, I'm not bringing up your past generosity because I want it to keep coming. I'm bringing up your past generosity to let you in on a secret. You and me have partnered. You have helped me do what I do. So you're the guys who have let me down into the hole to rescue and do the work of preaching and teaching and evangelizing. But somebody had to buy the rope and somebody had to hold the rope, right? And, and you Philippians are sharing. And when you get to heaven, there's an account called the Philippians. And everything that I was able to do by God's grace, you have a vested interest because without your help, I couldn't have done that. So he says, when you get to heaven, I just want to tell you what this means. This means that Jesus is going to say to one of the Philippians, Lydia, thank you for your part in establishing the book of Romans. Thank you for your part in establishing the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Thessalonians, all of those churches, the Romans. Thank you for every last person who was baptized under Paul's ministry in 30 years. He's going to pull apart, aside, regular people who gave toward Paul's work, and he's going to reward them as an assistant to Paul and give and split the reward with them. He says, that ought to cheer you up and show you how important that those funds were. They are. They meant something, and they will produce something. Now, this thing about reward, let me remind you about the Lord who is going to show up any second. And here's his words of what he's doing when he comes. Listen to this. He says, behold, Revelation 22, 12, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. You have an account. Church, you have a corporate account, the church you contribute to, and you have an individual account that throughout the entire Bible is telling us ways to make sure we invest in that heavenly storehouse. Listen to me. I'll point out just a few avenues of what Jesus is talking about. I'm coming soon, and I'm coming with my reward to give to everybody what they have coming according to what they have done. So he says, Matthew chapter 25, when you are kind to the needy and to the vulnerable, he says, if you've done something kind to the least of these Christians, you've done it unto me. And I will reward that. That's one way. Another way, bearing persecution. When somebody insults you and you bear it well, he says, oh, be happy because great is your reward in heaven. Ah, your account, your account, right? There are several ways to keep that coming. So bearing, bearing persecution, insults, animosity, offense as well. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. When you are visiting somebody in the hospital, when you're being kind, he's saying cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Now, another way, love your enemies. 
At the end of that whole discourse, he says, when you love your enemies, I will reward you greatly. How about this one? Hospitality. Love this one. Luke chapter 14. He says, when you give a banquet, think about people you don't normally invite. People that most people don't invite because maybe they're a lot of work, socially awkward. Maybe they have a lot of need and it makes you uncomfortable, but they can't repay you. There's nothing in it for you, but Jesus said, why don't you go ahead and extend some hospitality, invite them in, love them up, and even though they cannot repay you and you get nothing out of it here, I promise you, I will reward you in the resurrection of the righteous. The righteous just means right with God. He's saying, in heaven, I promise for when you do things like that, there's accumulation, cha-ching, That's what he's saying. I will reward you in the resurrection. What else does that mean? And he goes on. There's other things. He says, when you do quality work for your employer, you're actually working for me. And when you do well for him, I am stacking up reward for you. That's in the Bible. Then he says, faithfulness during trouble. You go through trouble. You don't deny Jesus. You come out of it not bitter and mean and all of this but you're praising God like Job saying, hey, naked I came in, naked I'm going out, blessed be the name of the Lord. Fear like that, cha-ching. That's what it says. James says, if you come through, you'll receive one more. Second John chapter one says, if you do not fall away from the gospel, when the new age gospels come in, right? If you stand your ground, you will be rewarded for that act alone. Because it's gonna take some, you're gonna take some heat for being the hate monger and the bigoted and the narrow minded old school. Come on, man. This is the 21st century, right? Get on board. He says, no, no, no. You have an account. If you tell all those mockers, no, I'm on the straight and narrow path, ching into your account. And your account is based on the grace of God and who and what you'll be doing in those days uh, to come. And then, of course, he says, give. Give, give, and it'll be given to you. He says, your giving to me has gone into, not, it's not unnoticed by the Lord. And you'll be hearing about, listen, the Lord's made it so easy. A lot of things are accumulating. He says, when I'm coming, I'm coming with reward to give to you what you have done. Get excited about that. Make your priority about making sure it's uh, you got a lot of things under the Christmas tree, right? You want something under the Christmas tree, and this is how to get it. He's saying, Philippians, you're going to be happy on Christmas morning because you've got a lot to look forward to. And so can we. So he goes on to say, in the closing, right there, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. Greet all the saints. That word just means separated ones, right? Everybody who's separated from their sin and from the world and purposeful for Christ and his use. Uh, greet Uh, all of those people there and all the Christians there. The brothers who are with me, that that word means the leaders, right? So uh, there are a couple leaders with them, maybe Luke and Aristarchus and certainly Timothy. The brothers with me send greetings. All the saints, the sheep too, 
the regular Christians send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So, you know, Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, early in the letter, God is working all things for good because as a result of my imprisonment, I've been chained to these guards. I've been preaching the gospel. They're getting saved. And the whole palace guard has heard the gospel. So he says, praise the Lord. So there's a church that meets in Caesar's imperial service. There are born-again Christians. Now, why does he say, especially those who are saved and work in the jail and work in the administration of Caesar's household? He says, because they met Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus had a cell phone, apparently. (laughs) We didn't know, but we're so happy to hear it. I still love you, whoever you are. <laughs> Everybody's got that face on. It's not me. <laughs> Why especially Caesar's household? Because they're, you know, they're in the jail and they're like, who are you guys? We're from Philippi. You know, I'm Paphroditus. I got something. Whoa, you got, what do you got in that bag? He says, okay, this is how much money we raised. For who? The apostle Paul. Wow, that is cool. So the Christians who are at the intake desk, who work here, are saying, wow, way to go, way to be supportive of this man who led us to the Lord. You see? That's beautiful. And then he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen, because if the grace of God is with your spirit, everything else is going to fall into line, amen? Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just love these truths. Thank you for the, just the, how intriguing all of these things are, an account in heaven, a, a way to reward us at your appearing, and all of these truths about contentment, Lord, just help us to, to understand them and put them into practice, we pray in Christ's name, amen. So I imagine in my mind's eye, uh, as he's closing the letter, he's, he sees the pile of funds over there and he's thinking, wow, I have all my needs met, but how about them, right? He's gonna have the needs met, but what about them? So he says, hey, listen, right now there's a lack, but my God will make sure that he provides everything you need according to his unlimited resources and his riches. And God will be a debtor to no one. But it's in the context of giving beyond their means. And God saying, ah, don't worry, you've made room. Now I'm going to bless and fill. And that's his promise. I made three one-liners. This is my takeaway from Philippians. This is what I learned. Three sentences. One. I can, have, I can still have joy in the midst of difficulties. Number two, I can still have contentment in the midst of need. And number three, I can have God's peace in the midst of anxious times. Those are three great lessons to remember from our time with the Philippians. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for these lessons. Help us by the Holy Spirit so we can enjoy these blessings and truths that set our hearts free. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for Proverbs 17 or next Sunday for Colossians. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.